where's the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. This is a character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Good morning and welcome to Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It is 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carriker. Good morning to you. Good morning, Randy. How are you feeling this morning? I feel pretty good. Got a little golfing yesterday. It was oh. a nice, brisk, beautiful day. Didn't hit them well, but I was outside and the weather was nice, so I'm good today. Isn't it amazing how getting outside has changed our perspective on everything? Normally, you'd be like, yeah, I didn't really hit them well, kind of a bummer. Now you're like, doesn't matter. I was outside. I was outside. The sun was shining. <laughs> Absolutely. Vitamin D is a huge part of life success and life happiness. Vitamin D is my drug of choice. Yeah, it's definitely the way to go. It is. We have a lot coming your way here on 101 ESPN today. Adnan Verk will join us at the bottom of the hour. You remember him, a good friend of Michelle Smallman, and he's now with MLB Network and NHL Network and Dazzin, so we'll hear from him. John Kelly, the voice of the blues on FS Midwest, and the new Hall of Famer, and hopefully he'll have an induction ceremony. Isaac Bruce at 9.15 here with Carriker and Smallman. But we get things started with the biggest news of the day, and that is that owners have presented an offer to the Players Association which would give us baseball, Michelle, in 2020 if indeed the players can negotiate to the point of a settlement. I think the most important word you just said there, Randy, was if. Mm -hmm. If they can negotiate (laughs) to a settlement. And in reading about this, you think, okay, for baseball to return, there are going to be a lot of logistical obstacles. There's going to be a lot of health and safety obstacles. The fact that those things seem to be ironed out or seem to be possible, and that money between the players and the owners could be the thing that stops America from having live sports and live baseball return doesn't sit well with me, I gotta tell you. And I know that Tony Clark's job as the head of the Players Association is to provide as much money as he possibly can to his players. And I understand that this is a negotiation, and it was interesting. Jeff Passan last night on SportsCenter with Scott Van Pelt said, hey, this week is going to suck because there are going to be negotiations, they're going to be contentious, and we're going to be reading about them in on the internet uh, in every website the point though is that at least they're negotiating if somebody walks away from the table and they need to have an agreement by friday that's a bad thing but as long as we're hearing about negotiations contentious or not i'm happy about that at least the ball's moving right yeah, yeah i agree with you but the initial uh 
package, I guess, if you will, that the owners, the proposal that the owners put on the table, I didn't think it was unreasonable at all. We are in an unprecedented time right now. People are losing their jobs. People are sick. You have people out on the, the front lines, healthcare workers fighting to save people's lives. And I, I understand that players have their families and their worth and they figure I've earned this contract, I've earned this salary. I understand that point of view. But I also think you have to look at where the owners are coming from. Everyone has to be reasonable here. There's going to be no fans in the stands. The revenue share is not going to be what it was when you signed those contracts. Here's the interesting thing as far as I'm concerned, though, and we're going to hear from Buster Olney, and what the what Tony Clark is complaining about is a limitation for I would assume this year on the ability for players to make money. Last year, players made $4 billion. Forbes estimate that overall revenue in baseball was $10.7 billion. If I'm not mistaken, $4 billion is less than 50% of $10.7 billion. I'm no mathematician. You know, I know we swore not to do math on this show, mm-hmm. but I think this one's pretty simple. And I think you're correct, Randy, that it is less than half. So the way I'm looking at it, if baseball revenue were to be similar to what it was last year, minus fans for 82 games, the TV revenue, the revenue from MLB properties, et cetera, et cetera, would be about five point three five billion, half of what it was last year, minus the 40 percent. The overall revenue of the sport would be three point two billion, and the payroll, if the similar to last year, would be one point two thirty seven point four percent. Players minus the fans would make more with this fifty fifty split than they would if they just took the salaries that they're offered right now. So they must be thinking about safety, right? You would think, but then every person that you hear who's tied into this, whether it's a Jeff Passan or whether it's a Mark Teixeira or whether it's players that you're seeing on social media speak about this, it seems to be about money. No one is saying, yes, they're very concerned about X X thing proposed in regards to safety. It's no, it's all coming down to money. Last night, ESPN's Buster Only was on with Sarah Spain on Spain and Company, and this was his reaction to the proposal and the reaction to the proposal. I am more skeptical in this hour that there will be baseball played this year than I have been at any point just seeing all this public wow. fighting erupt out, out into the open. Because you guys know, no matter which side you think is right or wrong, they're all going to lose in the court of public opinion, and they're going to be entrenched. So you think the money is going to be the sticking point? We're seeing that, and as they say, it's built upon already a, a, such a you know fragile situation when it comes to the medical side. That stuff all has to be worked out, and in some respects, you know, the more complicated side is the money. ESPN's Jeff Passan was on with Freddie and Fitzsimmons last night and was, was asked about if, as Michelle said, what if they don't play? What happens for the players and what happens for the owners are both really freaking bad. I mean, really, really bad in, in a number of ways. It's bad financially. It's bad optically. It's bad for the stability of the, the, the future of the sport itself. It's just so bad if there's not a deal. Which is why I think there's going to be a deal. I I think that we are in a particularly ugly week right now. And that if you follow baseball news this week, you think that baseball is not going to happen this year. But I think they're they're throwing haymakers in the first round. It's what you do early in a negotiation because 
You want to see just how strong somebody else's position is. And uh, I don't think either side's going to buckle. I think there's going to be contention, posturing, uh, words, uh, disappointment, anger, all of the things that typically come uh, in a negotiation that has a finite timetable. I want to talk about what Jeff said in regards to optics, because when you think about the optics of this situation, and I think players should be thinking about the optics of, of this situation. I think their agents, I think the Players Association should be taking a very broad view of this. The last thing that baseball wants is to not play this season if, in fact, they can, and especially if not if money is going to be the reason that they don't play this season. Think about heading into the 2020 season. What happened? The Astros cheating scandal. And while everybody was upset about it, everybody was talking about baseball. Baseball dominated the sports talk airwaves during a time when normally it wouldn't have. And we talk about the state of baseball as in regards to popularity. We've, we've talked about this for, what, the past five, ten years about how does baseball get the younger fan back? How does baseball capture more than, than just the regional fan? How do, how do they get the national fan on board with this? This is a rare, rare, rare opportunity for baseball to be the first sport to return and to be, I never want to use the word hero because we have the frontline people, the frontline healthcare workers, they are the heroes of this situation. But they could endear themselves to the American public in a way that they haven't in such a long time. You are so right about that. And we always talk about how owning a franchise is a community trust, how Stan Kroenke violated that trust. And the reason it's a community trust, and we use that word and not loosely, is because we as fans build an emotional investment with the franchise, with the players on the team. Because we have that emotional investment, whether players understand it or not, it's incumbent upon somebody on the player's side, whether it's Tony Clark or a high-ranking player or a veteran player, to say, Adam Wainwright would be the perfect guy. Look, these people have invested in us. If we can get to a point where it's safe for us and we can swallow a 50-50 split, we owe it to our fans to get out there and play. That's the way I would look at it if I were a player. Because I would hopefully understand that there is an emotional bond. The reason that people pay to see me on TV, the reason that people buy my jersey, the people the reason that people buy tickets to come and see me play is because of that emotional bond. And I don't want to break that during this time over at the bottom of the pile money. Not to mention, if you're baseball and you're the Players Association and we talk about the regional versus national problem that baseball has had, everyone is at home and there is nothing else going on on TV. Mm-hmm. Look at the Michael Jordan documentary and the numbers that that is pulling. Will I be locked into every single Cardinals game and will St. Louis be locked into every single Cardinals game? You betcha. But the chances of people sticking around to watch another baseball game that they don't necessarily have an emotional tie-in because it's live competition is huge. Mm -hmm. West Coast games that normally we wouldn't be locked into, I guarantee you people will be watching on on the East Coast and the Midwest because they're craving competition. So you have to think about it from, from a brand standpoint, too. First of all, if you don't play... 
you're going to lose fans. Regardless of the situation, the optics are you are greedy. People are losing their lives and their jobs, and I'm not a fan of you anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why if you're the NHL and NBA, the way that this is playing out, you're kind of taking a back seat saying, okay, what's going to happen with baseball? Then we react to it. Yeah, let's gonna, see what they do. Let's see what they do. And that's smart. It's, it's a reactionary approach, and I think it's smart, if in fact that's what they're doing. But you have to think, if we're the first ones to come out and do this, and we gain those new fans, when fans are back in the stands, think about what our brand will look like then. How many more people are going to be buying merchandise? How many people are going to be dying to come to stadiums because they're they're anxious to feel normal again, that sense of community and that sense of normalcy. Now, Jeff Passan was asked, um, Freddie and Fitzsimmons, about that idea of a 50-50 revenue split between owners and players. We want to split revenues 50-50 down the middle. And while that may sound like a good deal, uh, you know, it's the sort of thing we see in the NFL and the NBA and the NHL. Uh, the MLBPA sees it as a pathway to a capped system. And Major League Baseball has been uncapped uh, for as long as it's been around. And the Players Association has zero intentions of allowing anything that resembles a capped system to be in place. So from the jump, we're dealing with a contentious situation financially. Then you compound it with the health aspects and trying to keep players healthy, trying to keep uh, coaches and managers and trainers and all the people who have to be around on a daily basis. Uh, this is a really difficult needle to thread. Again, I don't know, and we'll have to double-check if the 50-50 revenue split is just for this year or if it's for the rest of this CBA. I, I don't know how it's set up. That being said, a salary cap, a 50-50 revenue split, also means a salary floor. I think the the union is being pretty disingenuous if they think that all of a sudden major league owners are going to start paying them 55 or 60% of the revenue that they generate. We've seen the trend over the last four years. Baseball is getting younger and cheaper. Mm -hmm. It would be a good thing for players to guarantee themselves 50% of the revenue that their sport makes because it's not going to go above that. The owners are going to have a self-imposed cap. They are going to get out of their lane. and You aren't going to see a team like the Cardinals decide to spend $220 million. It's just not going to happen. So if I'm the Players Association, I'm looking at not only the next two years, but I'm looking at the last four, too, and saying, you know what, the trend might be in my favor to take that 50-50 split. And how often have we talked about not wanting to pay a player for what they've done and wanting to pay a player for what they can do? And you would think if your players, to your point about the floor, that you would want to cash in on a contract earlier, that you would not want to have to prove yourself for 10 years before you, you cash in on that monster deal. It is Kara Kern-Smallman on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we want to hear from you with the texts on the uh, Air Comfort Service text line. If there is a work stoppage, if they don't play this year, and obviously there's a work stoppage now, but let's couch it this way. If baseball doesn't play, who's the bad guy? Knowing what you know right now, the owners or the players. That's next with Kara Kern-Smallman on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
Michelle, I was listening to the Super Bowl last night here on 101 ESPN, and obviously we're getting up early now, so I had to go to bed. Mm-hmm. But I was really happy for Anthony Stalter that the Falcons won that Super Bowl. They, they, I, I, 28-3, so I don't know what the final was. They must have stomped New England. Must have been like, what, 55-3 to or something like that. Yeah, they had it in the bag, right? Yeah, I think Anthony's got to be really happy this morning. And you know, poor Freeze Pops. Freeze Pops has to be beside himself that uh, th- that great team just f- couldn't get anything going. They had no traction in that game. Never had a chance. That Falcons offense is just potent, man. Julio Jones is a beast. I went to bed, too. <laughs> you know, that was a game that I was at, and I... That, I we talk about Cardinals devil magic. The Patriots have devil magic, too. Yeah. They have devil magic in a lot of ways. To think that Julian Edelman made that catch, that is nothing but devil magic. Nothing. Yeah, they absolutely had it going. In addition to cheating, they had a lot yeah. of luck going with them, too. Yeah, de- you know what, Randy? And you want to talk about potent. That is a potent combination, cheating and devil magic. Wow. It really is. We want to hear from you here at 101 ESPN. If baseball isn't played in 2020 without fans, and obviously there are some hurdles to clear, but... Who's the bad guy if they don't play? It's interesting. Uh, Jeff Passan says that uh, safety is something that we're, they're all talking about, but that's not really the big thing here. I would love to say that health and safety is the number one priority, but I think that we all know better. It comes down to money. It always comes down to money. And and this is not to sit there and judge the, the players or, or the owners or anybody. I think... In a lot of uh, different industries, that that frankly is the same case. But it's important to recognize too that I think the reason that health and safety are not up and on that same level as money is because of the recognition that health and safety in America right now uh, are very difficult to come by. Yes. But for a 27-year-old male in great shape, it's easier to not worry about the coronavirus than it is for a 65-year-old male or female that's not in great shape. Of course. And you know what else is difficult to come by? Corporate and personal financial stability. Mm Mm-hmm. I there mean, is none. Look, <laughs> yes, health look and up. safety is hard to come by, but for the players to not acknowledge that any sort of financial stability or any sort of financial normalcy is also not right. not easy to come by is short-sighted. And because the owners made a proposal that seems fair, that would provide a greater percentage of revenue than the players made last year or have made really in the last 20 years, and because of the fact that the players are saying, well, we aren't going to have a salary cap. We never have. We never will. I kind of fall on the side of the owners here. And I'm somebody who, uh, when people complain uh, about baseball players or football or whatever, making more than our real heroes, Mm -hmm. our our first responders, our military, our frontline people, I always say, and teachers too, it is unfortunate. It's It's not the real world, but here is the real world. There's 750 of these guys, and we're all paying money, not all, but most of us are paying money to 
Watch them on TV via our cable subscriptions. Cardinals, every single night during the summer, are the number one show on TV in St. Louis. It's the best reality show going. It is. Uh, we're buying tickets. We're buying their jerseys. Mm-hmm. We are doing that for the first responders. And they are the product. So there's a reason that players are making the money that they are. But this is a different situation. As we sit here on May 12th of 2020, you can't realistically say, well... Yeah, because all of those fans are all over them. Hey, we're all concerned about other things. We truly do want baseball players to be there as a distraction now. That's all they will be because real life is going to be there for us. And we just want that slice of three hours for our cable TV to wash (laughs) over us at night so that we don't have to think about what's going on outside our doors in the real world. And that's what we've always wanted out of sports is a distraction of what's going on in our lives. But it's more important now than ever because real life has taken a very drastic turn a very severe and and real turn and i think that you know the industry baseball as a whole players owners they understand that now i'm with you normally i am not pro owner i i am pro player i understand that owners and franchises use players as a money-making tool that they're just cogs in a in a greater sort of assembly line to churn out money and you know what is best for them isn't normally what is best for the business side of things and and you can pour your entire life and blood sweat and tears into this game and be cast aside because you're not producing in a certain amount of time so yes i truly truly am normally pro player and want them to get every dollar that they can out of this game because the owners certainly are raking in the cash however I think people like me and people like you who are normally pro player in this situation, if it doesn't pan out, are going to point the finger at the players. And I think what you said is so true because the fact that the owners came to the table first, they agreed on this and they presented what, for all intents and purposes, is a very, very reasonable proposal Mm -hmm. during these times. And people are so hungry and they're craving sports. And a lot of people are sitting there and in their own circumstances and their real lives, looking at this proposal saying, if you guys don't take this, it's very selfish of you. This from the 636 via the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. The players would definitely be at fault. If they don't feel safe, then don't get paid. Most of the U.S. population who are working may not feel safe. If they said they didn't want to work, then guess what? They don't get paid. Players should be no different. And I totally get if players for various reasons, don't want to play this year, and they should be very secure. Mike Trout has a baby on the way in August. Mm-hmm. I, I totally get that. If uh, you are immune compromised, I, I totally get that. But like uh, our texter said, if you don't want to play, nobody's forcing you to play this year. There's going to be somebody else, like it or not, that if the baseball is playing, that's going to play. And I think that our texter and you brought up a great point. A lot of people are going into their jobs right now that don't necessarily feel safe. We're taking every precaution that we can. I use the general we as Americans that are, in fact, going into work every day. But you you have to go into work. You need that job. A lot of pe- people feel grateful to have a job and they want to go in and do, do what you can. It all comes down to the environment and what baseball is going to do in a controlled environment to protect them. But it also comes down to personal responsibility. You have to do what you have to do to make sure that you're protected and that you're protecting others from you. Exactly. This one from the 812. I usually don't take sides in sports labor issues, but based on what I know right now, I would side with the owners. What would have to happen if baseball got going and 
something happened where it had to shut down right before postseason and owners lose their postseason TV revenue. 50-50 split seems fair and more. That's a good point. That is a good point. Let's get a mic drop from Brock here on 101 ESPN. To me, the owners would be the bad guys because they aren't the ones actually out there risking their health and safety like the players would be. They would just be sitting at home collecting their checks. So um, to me, the owners would be the ones that would get the blame for this. The players are the ones taking the mm-hmm. risk. That's one of the arguments that they will make, and that's a reasonable argument. But I don't think anybody at this point is just sitting at home and is automatically safe. No, I agree. Um, I was listening to Mark Teixeira on the drive-in. He was on Golik and Wingo, and he was talking about this situation. And yes, the players are the ones that are going out there, and they're putting themselves at risk. I, I understand that. And that's probably a nervous feeling for them to leave their families and know that they're going to be in contact with people and not really know what the situa- situation is going to look like. No one's going to know what this is going to look like until it happens. It's a it's a one-of-one type situation, well, right? And the, and the fact of the matter is, you are safer than somebody that's working at a grocery store or working in a hospital because everybody that you are with is going to have been tested. Sure. You're going to be with a group of people that if somebody winds up with the virus, it's going to be really an uh, an upset. It's the odds against them getting uh, the virus are huge. Huge. And, and you have medical staff mm-hmm. at your disposal, which a lot of Americans don't have, obviously. But Mark Teixeira was saying, you know, I've been quarantined for months at my house in Connecticut, but I still have to get gas. I still mm-hmm. have to go to the grocery store. My kids needed a supply for their uh, homeschooling. I had to go out and get it. And while I'm wearing gloves and a mask and taking all the proper precautions, it's not like everyone... I mean, some people certainly are strictly at home, but a lot of Americans from time to time are going out into the world. So you're being exposed into the world. So I think in what he the point he was trying to make is a lot of these players, it's not like they have just been locked in their house for months and going to spring training 2.0 or starting these games is going to be the first time that they're Mm -hmm. exposed to anyone. It's a great point. Coming up here on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN, we're going to visit with Adnan Verk of Dazzin, MLB Network, and NHL Network. We're going to find out if we're going to play next. Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. When Michelle was in Bristol, Adnan Verk was there. Adnan's now with DAZN and MLB Network, MLB Network, and NHL Network. He is a Busy man and joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. Adnan, good to have you with us. How are you doing? Good to be with you for the first time. And of course, always a pleasure to reunite with my girl, Michelle. Hope you guys are staying safe and staying sane these days. Uh, sane is relative, Adnan, as you know, but I hope that you've been safe and sane as well. So, okay, obviously we've got this this owners and, and you know baseball showdown. We need to talk about this. There's so many tentacles to the story, but the first question that I want to ask you is when you read about the owner's proposal, did you think it was a reasonable first step? Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think first step is to what you said, Michelle. Like we, we know in life there's always going to be negotiation. Nobody ever accepts our first proposal, and um, certainly, you know, it was going to be a challenge to try to get this thing done in terms of the salaries, the way that they're being determined. I mean, you know, originally you say, well, guys going to get $10 million, fine, we're going to play 82 games, so prorate it, cut it in half, $5 million. But of course, as, as Tom Verducci, one of my colleagues at MLB Network had pointed out, when it comes to revenue from concessions and parking and all that kind of stuff, merchandising, that's probably about 35 to 40% of revenue. So I guess you then have to tell the players, okay, well, listen, you got to take a 35 to 40% cut from that 
prorated salary that we just determined. So, you know, obviously players are going to be reluctant. They're going to say, well, hang on a second. Yeah, okay, I'll take something of a cut. I'm not playing as many games, but I'm still the one taking the risk. You know, we don't know the long-term effects of, uh, of what this illness is. We don't know especially, you know, how it can spread like wildfire, et cetera. It's very contagious. So it, it's definitely challenges back and forth. But I do, I do get the owner's perspective of, hey, listen, we can't just cut the salary in half because we're losing another 40% of revenue from the fans and concessions, et cetera. So now I get the fact that players will probably come back with something else. I mean, I just read The Athletic. Ken Rosenthal was saying that, you know, players obviously are not going to be happy with this proposal. So fingers crossed we'll, we'll work it out. But I, I definitely see it from all sides. I definitely get it from the owners. You're not getting as much money as you would normally. And I obviously I see it from the players' perspective as well. Hey, we're the ones that are going to be playing. We're the ones trying to heal the nation. We still want to get compensated. And uh, obviously, they're taking that risk with their families as well. And Nan Burke with us from DAZN and MLB Network and NHL Network. And I, I'm with you. But I also look at the, the facts and that owners last year, the revenues overall were $10.7 billion. Players made $4 billion. So relatively speaking, without fans, without concessions, without presumably as many jerseys being purchased at team stores, a 50-50 split seems reasonable to me. Yeah, I, I think so, Randy, because when you look at it, ultimately you say, hey, listen, we're nobody's really kind of making money in this situation. Of course, they'll make some money, but this isn't like, you know, normally you could look at all things in life and say it's a profit-making venture, but... But I think in this instance, baseball really is trying to be as genuine and sincere in the concept of, hey, we're trying to heal the nation. Like in times past, that may sound hokey, but I think the three of us are certainly baseball lovers and anybody else who loves the game knows it. So we really need the sport right now. I mean, there are those who will say that sports are unnecessary. And generally speaking, I would probably be agreeing with you that it's a, you know, a distraction, a necessary distraction, but it's not like life and death, of course. But I think in this instance, like people really are starving for some sports content. They could really use some baseball. And it, we've seen in times of duress, whether it's World Wars, whether it's 9-11, that baseball can really be a healing mechanism. I mean, even Governor Cuomo, we have, I mean, we live here in North Jersey. So I'm watching the New York mayor, New York governor's briefings all the time. And he said, listen, I even called the will plans. Like, hey, anything I can do to let you know, like, let's get baseball going. Like, this isn't even a, a political issue. This is just people saying, We'd just love to have this back to help combat cabin fever, to give people some optimism, some hope, something to do, something to watch. So, yeah, I mean, ultimately, it sounds about as old-fashioned as it gets, Randy. Let's just play a game 50-50. I mean, <laughs> I, I wish it was that simple. I, I hope it works, but, I mean, uh, I do think, I'll, I will say this. I think the players will come back to the proposal, but I do think it happens. Because could you imagine if, if all indications are the country is opening up, and, again, you can argue whether or not that's smart or not when you look at science in different states, et cetera, but... If you looked at most of the country opening up and baseball was on the precipice of coming back, but they couldn't come to a, a decision on the revenue, I mean, that would be really, really tough pill to swallow for fans. I Absolutely. And, and Randy and I were just talking about that in the break. And I said, I think there's going to be a lot of people that if this w didn't get done and there wasn't a season because of money, there'd be a lot of fans out there that would never forgive baseball for this. And when no you, question. Well, my question to you is, do you think that if it, if it didn't happen, the players or the owner owners would catch more of the ire from Americans, from the baseball fans out there? It's interesting, Michelle. I used to always think that people are generally more player-friendly. I think, generally speaking, you say, well, hang on a second. He's the guy playing the game. He's the one who deserves it. But it's strange. When I talk to most fans, it's, it's weird. It's because I think they see the players, and because they feel connected to them and they see the money more, they actually go anti-player more, right? Because they have, like, fantasy teams. They go, I can't believe that bum made $8 million. He cost my fans, et cetera, et cetera. He's not worth it, blah, blah, blah. 
you know, if you're a Tigers fan, you go, God, Miguel Cabrera used to be great, but I can't believe we owe him this much money over this many years. It's weird because you don't see the owner's pockets, right? You don't see exactly how much the Lerner family makes. And you don't see all the money the Steinbrenners make. You don't see, you don't hear those numbers. You don't say, okay, this year the Yankees generated X amount of money. But with the players, you always know. And especially in the case when a guy's struggling, like Chris Davis, the Orioles, everyone breaks it down. So it's like, you know, he's getting $54,000 per strikeout. And they just embarrass the guy. So I actually think if it didn't come together, Michelle, I think people would be more mad at the players. They'd say, you know what? You guys make so much money. I get the fact that this year you're not going to make as much money as normally you would. But guess what? Unemployment's at 15%. You know, I can't pay my mortgage. I can't run my small business, for God's sakes. All you're being asked to do is play baseball and your social distancing, generally speaking, within the sport. Like, seriously, you guys can't come back to this? I think people would be really angry at the players. That's just my feeling on it. And then part of this that we haven't talked about is the proposal to have essentially a 35-man roster where they would roll in as many as 50 players for a team. This seems to me with the Cardinals, Cardinals probably have 20, 21 major league quality pitchers. It seems like the Cardinals, the Yankees, the Dodgers that have a lot of players would seem to really benefit in a scenario like this if this the, the roster setup winds up being close to what the owners are proposing. Yeah, that's a good point, Randy. I mean, I've heard some people saying, oh, there's going to be a dilution of talent, but I'm with you. I think if you looked at most major league teams, you say, okay, look at your 24, and that's going to be 25 male roster. Obviously, they were going to get rid of the call-ups this year. Clearly, karma raising its head. No, no, you're not going to get rid of the call-ups right away. We're going to make extra players the entire year. But I think if you look at the team's depth, this really is a, a, an indication of how strong their front office is when it comes to scouting, when it comes to player development. Because now, if you're a top-heavy team, and you feel like, all right, 1 through 10 were great, but 10 through 50 were not, well, then this might bite you in the butt come when the season goes. Even if it's only an 82-game season, you can't just have a bunch of thoroughbreds. You've got to have a team that's got some discipline and guys that are able to kind of measure the way they go. And specifically to St. Louis and the Yankees, the Dodgers, et cetera, you're right. Pitching is going to be critical because, you know, if this second spring training starts around June 10th, they give these guys three weeks, I mean, I'm sure some pitchers are going to say, listen, this is still not enough. I just got going for a month and a half, and all of a sudden you shut me down for three months. I can't just be in three weeks magically ready to go. So I agree that pitching is going to be interesting. But, again, just like with COVID-19, we're all dealing with it. So every team that's going to say, man, this stinks. Our pitching is getting worn out. Oh, this just isn't fair. This is a condensed schedule. Listen, we're all dealing with it. So all the players and teams will be dealing with those same disadvantages, and it will be the teams that have more depth of talent that will be able to rise and be successful. And now one of the storylines around baseball for, I mean, at least the last 10 years was about the national popularity of the sport. How do we capture the young fan? Why is baseball so much of a regional sport and not a national sport? And then heading into 2020, you had the Astros cheating scandal and everyone was talking about baseball. And one of the things we said was this could be kind of a crossroads for the sport because so many people are going to be tuned in on a national level to see what happens to the Astros. And I don't wonder if baseball, I know there's so many issues right now in the micro view of things but i don't wonder if baseball takes a step back and they look at this from a macro perspective and they say if we get this done and we're the first sport to come back imagine how we would endear ourselves to the national sports fan i mean when you look at the the ratings for the last dance people are craving any sort of sports content and if baseball does come back i don't wonder if this is kind of a turning point for baseball as a whole in regards to popularity I couldn't agree more, Michelle. I, I think people are absolutely right. And you're right about the last dance. I, I think it's a good documentary. I don't think it's sensational. I don't think it's as good as, you know, the OJ doc that ESPN did, et cetera. But to your point, everyone's just dying for something. If you're a sports fan, you're okay. Well, hey, from 9 to 11 on Sunday night, I'm going to get some sports content that feels 
relatively fresh, even though it's 22, 25, 30 years ago. Well, hey, it feels fresh to me because you're right. Otherwise, there's only so many old games you can watch. There's only so much awesome stuff you can do. So, you know, UFC numbers, I think, were big for Saturday night, even though it was a different environment, obviously with no fans there. You know, I personally would be watching NASCAR on Sunday, May 17th <laughs> coming up, because why not? You know what? Hey, I, I can enjoy left turns with the rest of them. We'll get a couple cracks. I'm sure. I just saw Premier League's coming back June 1st. I'm like, you know what? My mom grew up in England. Great. I'll be watching some English soccer, even though I normally would. I mean, there's going to be a lot of people like me who are going to say, listen, I'll watch whatever. And there's going to be casual baseball fans or guys who were and gals who were baseball fans as kids and then didn't follow the sport when they got older. Maybe they got embittered by the strike. Maybe just life changes. They're going to go, you know what? I'm going to get back into baseball because there's nothing else going on. And I'd love to watch some sports. And God, I could use a break from reality and all the sadness and suffering that people are going through. So I think that is a prime motivator, Michelle. I think the owners all said, listen, we could really be important in two levels here. One, on a selfless level. One, we can really help the psyche of the nation. And two, on a more selfish level, listen, we can get fans back. There's no question. We've got no competition, generally speaking, in the summer anyways. In July and August, all you're dealing with is, you know, a little bit of golf and obviously tennis with Wimbledon. Well, now there's nothing. I mean, it's just us. NFL mini camps will probably be delayed, et cetera. So I think you're right. I think this could be huge for the sport if they're the first ones to come back. We've got some compelling baseball when there's nothing else on. So with that being the case, we've consumed an awful lot of entertainment over the last couple of months. For people that aren't aware of it, uh, Adnan Verk is North America's preeminent cinephile. Yes. You know movies <laughs> better than anybody. So if somebody is looking for entertainment, uh, the, the top three movies of this century that you would advise somebody to watch it that they hopefully haven't seen yet. Well, I'm so proud of Michelle for guiding our friend Steve Surdy to finally watch Goodfellas because it's one of the greatest movies of all time and uh I, i'm not gonna crush steve because i people always do it they go i can't believe you've ever seen that but listen life is busy i mean i get the fact not everybody has a chance to watch everything uh i myself have used the quarantine to find a lot of old movies that i've always wanted to watch but never had the time so i myself have clicked off hitchcock's north by northwest brian de palma's carrie i just watched ace in the hole it's a great kirk douglas movie so i myself have found the time to watch a lot of great great movies that i'd never really seen before i still got lawrence of arabia to tackle at some point but as far as this century is concerned you know it's interesting randy when you look at this era of movies you know i think the 90s movies were really great you know i don't think you really go wrong with a lot of 90s movies it was just so strong it really had a, a strong sensibility about them but as far as movies from the century you know three billboards outside Abbey, missouri is a great film uh, people, I don't know if they saw it as much. Certainly it got an Academy Award recognition with Francis McDormand and Sam Rockwell. But that's a great movie from a few years ago. That went toe-to-toe with The Shape of Water, which was very polarizing, <laughs> but a movie that I also loved. I've been praising The Irishman, of course, which is available on Netflix. Nobody can say they don't have the time right now. Yes, it's long, but it's meant to be a long movie. It's about... You know, the passage of time and a very melancholy look at these gangsters and, you know, very much a no country for old men, if you will, in terms of mobsters and looking back at their mob life. So I think The Irishman, Three Billboards is a great one. And I'll tell you this, you know, people love watching, binge-watching shows. And because of the dearth of new movies coming out, I myself binge-watched, and I'm ashamed to admit I was very late to the party. But Succession on HBO is sensational. I mean, that came out a couple of years ago. And the first season is good. The second season is marvelous. So if you're a binge watcher, I know that's very popular these days. Uh, Succession is what I can't recommend enough. It's, it's very much um, a kind of a, I wouldn't even say a parody, but it's a satirical look at something like the Murdoch family. You know, a King Lear type show. Brian Cox is this guy who's got this huge largesse 
like a Fox News, Disney-type empire, and he's trying to give it away to one of his kids. It's, it's fantastic. You are always so fun to have on the show. We should make this a more regular occurrence because we love hearing from you. You have a lot of knowledge, a lot of insight, and you're a renaissance man. Oh, I appreciate that. I'm sure my wife would disagree. If you see me in the kitchen or doing anything domestic, I, I flail miserably. But if, it, if it's sports and moves, we tend to do okay. Right. And then take care. Thanks a lot, and we'll talk to you soon. Randy, a pleasure. Michelle, always good to reconnect. Take care, guys. See, see you later. And then, Verk, you'll be able to see him on DAZN once we start playing again. MLB Network, MLB Network Radio, and NHL Network, too. And just a, a good guy. Absolutely. He's the best. And you can hear the passion in his voice when he talks about movies. Mm-hmm. Adnan is a guy that you can ask him about any movie and say, Saving Private yeah. Ryan, go. And he can give you a good 10 minutes on one film. Yeah. Three Billboards is great. I have never seen The Shape of Water. I personally really, really liked it. I didn't expect to like it. And I thought it was a great story. I thought it was a very unique movie. And I recommend that you see it. My son, the Patrick, saw The Irishman, liked it. And I'm, I've am i got that on my list. And then uh, Succession. I, have you ever seen Succession? I have. It's HBO? very good. Okay, I'll have to watch that, too. So I I need to catch up here on my uh, binge watching and, and movies. Well, hey, once you watch those, we should have you do a movie review, Randy. I, I will absolutely <laughs> do that. Uh, we heard you, and we know that you... You didn't like the name Wake Up or Snooze. <laughs> so that's gone. We've, we fired Wake Up or Snooze. It's out. And basically what we've done is we've kind of cherry-picked the quality from the fast lane, except from the guys. The guys are great. But the, the quality segments, hey, we want to take it or leave it. We've taken it. Take it or leave it. So that is part of Carriker and Smallman. We want your texts for Tioli, and it's coming your way next on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And we always like those texts at 65780 from our Air Comfort Service text line. And Freeze Pops has your Teolis for us. Freeze Pops, take it away. All right. From the 913, take it or leave it. If baseball doesn't come back, NHL will be waiting with arms wide open. And we'd see a boost in hockey fans going forward because all they could watch is hockey and see how great it is. Take it or leave it. I'm going to take part of it and leave part of it. I don't wonder if baseball doesn't get this done if other sports will follow. And by that, I mean, I think a lot of, uh, you know, I think hockey, I think the NBA, they're being very careful about this. Baseball is the one that's really come out and said, this is kind of the tentative date that we're looking at. We haven't really heard that from baseball or hockey yet. I think they're being a little more cautious. So I'm going to leave that part of it because if baseball doesn't happen, I don't know if we're going to see any other sports happen. But I will take if hockey does come back first, that we will see a ton of new national hockey fans. I agree with that, but I don't know if they'll stay hockey fans. I think people right now are just starve for competition Mm -hmm. but once the other sports are back I think they'll all probably go into their spot. uh, Essentially there's only one national sport right now NBA is national come playoff time but really during the regular season the NFL is the only Mm -hmm. national sport and everything else is pretty regional From the 309 take it or leave it, being a mobster would be awesome I'm going to leave it because a lot of them end up sleeping with the fishes. Yeah, they do. (laughs) It'd be awesome while you're alive and if you're the number one guy, if you're a made man. But once... uh 
Once somebody wants to encroach on your turf and you have to get into a war and there's a chance that you could wake up with a horse head in your bed, then you got problems. Yeah, I don't want some men's shoes, Randy. But you know what I think would be a pretty sweet gig is being a consigliere. That would be great. Because you're not really out there having to make the dirty deals. You're kind of just sitting back and advising. But you're so close to the dawn that you're kind of untouchable. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's a good gig as far as the mafia world, if you can get it. By the way, uh, we've been talking about distractions and trying to find a distraction. Uh, Michelle Lin-Manuel Miranda tweeted about a half hour ago that Hamilton the movie comes out on July 3rd. Great news. Uh, take it or leave it. You're going to watch Hamilton the movie. Take it. Take it 100 times over. I... It's on Disney+. Plus. Oh, I don't have Disney+. Plus. You'll have to get it. Or I'll have to get someone's password. Am I right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'll share my password with you, Michelle. Oh, thanks, Reese Bobs. I appreciate that. <laughs> From the 636, take it or leave it. We have seen the last game of Alex Petrangelo in a blues uniform. Leave it. Leave it. Because I'm still holding out hope that we're going to see uh, a 2020 NHL season resume. And I still hope that he comes back after that. So I'm certainly going to leave it. And I think... And this is unfortunate for Petro, but the economic situation, again, is going to affect him. There, not only were, were there not a whole lot of teams with cap space heading into this situation, but now cash is going to be at a premium. And I would think that might be best for him to sign a two-year deal and try to get back into free agency in a couple of years when... There's presumably going to be a, a better, smoother system to work through. One of the things people have been missing uh, big time during the stay-at-home period has been going to the gym. And leave it to the people of Florida to not stand for this anymore. Protesters of gyms being closed took to the steps of a Clearwater, Florida courthouse to show their displeasure. And did so by doing push-ups and squats on the sidewalk. These protesters are hurting their cause. They're showing that they don't actually need the gym to open to get a workout in. Take it or leave it. Only taking that. Yeah. I I hope they practice social distancing while they're doing their push-ups and squats. But, yes, you can work out. Tom Brady tried to prove it without having a weight room. (laughs) Yes, he did. A little B&E from Tom Mm -hmm. Brady from TB12. I'm I'm super taking this. Did you see the video of this, Randy? I didn't. I'll send it to you. First of all, not really socially distancing, but does that surprise you if you're going to go out and protest that you need a gym? And yes, you're literally exercising while proving that you need to get into a building to exercise. (laughs) (laughs) You're counterdicting everything you're trying to say by doing squats and push-ups. But you know what? Florida's the best. I was just going to say, it's Florida. I'm not surprised. (laughs) Florida man in your birthday. It's the best Google you could do. I've never done it. Oh, yeah. Just do Florida man in your birthday. You'll have... Florida man and then my actual birthday? Yes. And okay. something will have happened with a Florida man on your birthday. And it'll be very entertaining. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. What do you got? <laughs> well, there's a, Did there's, it even say for air? There's several. This one's sad. Florida man accused of intentionally running over ducklings. What? Don't like that one. No. Florida man arrested for attempted strip tease at a restaurant. (laughs) Attempted. Inside a steakhouse. (laughs) I mean, 
It's a really entertaining game. Uh, except for those poor ducklings. Yeah, that's, that's too bad. I mean, I was expecting it to be. Randy, do yours, too, while we're uh, getting I will this do that. Up. We're both Leos, Michelle and I. That's right. We're going to take off the week of, uh, just so you know, uh, Michelle's okay. moment. I'm telling the bosses right now <laughs> uh, because they haven't heard. But August uh, 13th or 19th, we don't do shows. Yeah, I mean, that's just Randy and Michelle's birthday week. It's been that way forever. And we will still be getting paid during that time. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> do we, we still get that uh, smoked carrot cake, Randy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we uh, need that. That's a must. So here, we'll do it before or after our week we, off. <laughs> we will. Uh, so here are my first two. Uh, Florida man arrested after botching in-home castration surgery. <laughs> um, not great. No. Oh, man. Uh, he, the, the man told the deputy that he had just performed a castration on a man and encountered major issues. <laughs> you think? Yeah. Yeah. And then the other one for me, this is just I'm giving you the top two. Florida man arrested after allegedly shoving steaks worth more than $50 down his pants. <laughs> a little... Was that Jameis Winston? Is that at Publix? <laughs> you don't want to do that with crab legs. That would hurt. <laughs> How would you like to be the officer that has to remove the steaks oh, from man. the Florida man's Not pants? <laughs> How was your day at work, honey? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> Thanks, Beefy. Pops. Thanks, guys. I like taking or leave it. That's fun. Yeah. That's Tioli on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Michelle and I will bring you our fresh take as we get rolling with Hour 2 in Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.